Show. I am Turch, and with me is my is my new co-host, the the acting CEO. It is Fake Zapper. How are you doing, buddy? I I'm doing pretty good. I'm in South Dakota right now. Did you know I'm a full time traveler? Yes, I've been watching so many of your YouTube videos just to get uh, a sense of what you do, how you do it and this and that, but you're definitely are a bit of a man of mystery and a man of excitement. So how did you get all the way to South? Why are you in South Dakota? Mystery? Yes. Excitement? No. <laughs> well, I've been to 10 States in the last, uh, just under a year and a half. And I, uh, plan on getting up to North Dakota here in the next month or so. And, um, hopefully, uh, Heading to the northeast and then the southeast, um, unless of course the plague makes things really difficult. <laughs> I think it's making the uh, things difficult for everyone to to have a good time and enjoy themselves and do lots of travel. I know my state is blocked off. We actually can't leave the state as it goes for uh, right now because of our cases <clears throat> of coronavirus are far too high. Oh wow! So you know. So trapped in the house, and I get to talk to fun people on the internet. That's the <laughs> that's the trade off, I guess. Well, that's good because I wasn't very fun yesterday. I was really depressed, so I think it actually worked out pretty good. That's good to hear. Well, I was I was uh, suffering with a migraine all of yesterday, so I think we both would have been very miserable together. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought it'd be really fun to do a whole episode of just us complaining and moaning and grinding and being negative and depressed and. That, that's half of our show. We do this whole segment about ranting about things that annoy us at the start of the show. I think last episode I complained about uh, like uh, girlfriends and partners buying things that they only wear once. Uh-huh. And uh, my co-host at the time, who was uh, the acting co-host, um, also had the exact same complaint to talk about. But then I also talked about like in another episode, pens that are shit and just don't work properly. There's nothing worse. Nothing worse than that. You go, yep, and to see to write something down, you go, God damn, this pen just does not work. <laughs> well, first, I, um, I contacted my my honorary Australian buddy, who's my biggest supporter. He spent about thirty years in Australia, and mm. he's back in England now, and he's retired. Yeah. And um, he was talking about Portland, and I thought, oh, oh shit. Portland, Oregon is in international news now. Have you heard about the fiasco in Portland, Oregon? No, I haven't heard anything. I've been trying to, uh, last couple of days, I've been off the news because I, I try to do that every so often just to give myself a bit of a clean slate. But what's been happening in Portland? Well, that's why I wanted to ask you. <laughs> I honestly don't give a shit about what's going on in Portland because usually it's the same stuff that I grew up there with. Which is us against them. Hooray for our side. We're the intellectual, educated progressives. We're affirming and tolerant and diverse, and they're not. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. Um, and, um, you know, people think that a lot of these protesters in Portland are the heroes, but 
I don't know if they are or not. I think in some ways they're they're risking themselves for their cause. And from my experience and my background, having grown up there, for instance, the Gulf War. The Gulf War happens and a bunch of teenagers hear about a protest. And honestly, most of us didn't even know what was going on. We just like to scream and yell and get our yayas out. And it was fully justified, too. Now, uh, not to say that uh, we were all into the anarchy and the rioting and all that bullshit. It just... Uh, two things about protesting is, one, is the, uh, these days, more and more, it's more vulnerable mm. to assholes coming in and messing everything up, which is obvious. Mm. And uh, we still are using a form that worked 50, 60 years ago, and we don't think it's working anymore. The Occupy movement, I thought, was awesome. I was too sick to go and, and be a part of it, unfortunately. And uh, the Women's March, I thought, was really cool. We had, what, like a half a million people mm. at the Women's March? Uh, like, I think that was January or so of 2017. Uh, but the stuff that's going on right now, I just don't even follow it. So I really can't comment. I, All I can tell you is that Portland, Oregon, for me being, uh, you know, a cocksucking faggot, a pot smoker, a weird artist, uh, definitely a, a, a left wing progressive liberal. And not only that, um, on disability. You would think that that would be a, a safe community for me, but it was the most hostile environment that I've been in in most of my life. I think with a lot of these protests that like, you know, we're following a little bit of the protests here and there, but even the Occupy movement back in the day, and we've had a few little things here, like sort of, sort of like spit-off protests down in Australia for the similar, but exactly the same causes. Uh, I seem like, you know, well, I'm sorry, you've got a... <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, could you say that again? I'm sorry, bud. I'm on a pretty weak connection. I'm at an RV park. That's all right, that's all right. I was just saying, like, we've had sort of spin-off uh, protests similar to the ones that you've had in the USA. Yeah. Uh, but in the same sense, I always feel like they, they start off very much like we're going to focus in and protest about one specific thing. And as time goes on, it's like a birthday party. But then you keep in, try to keep inviting people and it's like, oh, I'm having my birthday and someone goes, hey, it's also my son's birthday. Can we also celebrate that? It's like, yeah, 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 come on, come and join the party. That's okay. And eventually the party's about so many things. You know, it's a wake, it's a, it's a, a, it's a two-year-old's birthday, it's a 27-year-old's birthday. It's also your grandma's anniversary with her husband. It's about so much and everyone there is not there for the same reason. And I think that's where sometimes that internal conflict occurs. Well, typically what happens is that when there is a progressive issue that's being fought, uh, typically you have to have the entire package that um, left-wing educated progressives want. And let's say if you don't agree with one of the issues, uh, which I agree with all the issues except for maybe one or two, uh, that I'm considered an outsider. Yeah. Uh, Here's another reason why I was considered an outsider. I don't know if I told you about my hug a Trumpy thing. Did you see that? I saw a couple of videos, but um, yeah, uh, talk about your hug a Trumpy thing. Well, before I get into that, one thing I want to say that's going to, I mean, I've already pissed off all conservative viewers because of my <laughs> views, but uh, it's, it's really easy to piss off liberals just wearing a red hat mm. and um, so it says, hug a Trumpy on it. 
Uh, I ordered this. I made this specially from Amazon. Um, and um, it seems like people automatically assume that I am a traditionalist, conservative, right-wing Republican because I wear this. Even though it's kind of a derogatory term, nobody's had a problem with being called a Trumpy. No. So here's what I would like to see. I would be really impressed if these protests in Portland, Oregon, would have people with red hats and people with blue hats marching arm to arm and actually making peace with each other. Mm. Then I would be impressed. Right now, I'm not impressed with people saying, hooray for our side, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, because that's all we've had. Mm. Uh, the other thing is that, like, as much as, like, if I had to choose between Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, um, me being a victim of the abuse of power, being underprivileged, I would say the Black Lives Matter is probably where I'd stand. It's just that people are afraid because there's a whole package with that. You do the Black Lives Matter thing, you're involved in a whole movement that has a lot of things that I consider represent the abuse of power. And that culture, that educated culture that seems to um, have a lot of influence over mainstream media, uh, especially music and healthcare and education, a lot of these industries that are now fighting as a civil war with a lot of other institutions like military and, of course, now the police force and stuff like that. So here's what I'm seeing <laughs> is that we are all trying to um, enable the weak and fight against those that are too strong and too powerful. However, those folks on the progressive side of things, in my experience, have victimized people like me more than anybody that I've come in contact with when it comes to being in a class system. Mm. That these are the popular people. These people have a community. These people are heard. These people are ignored. They make these choices. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people that's ignored by folks that wave the rainbow flag and say, you know, we're for the disabled. And then when you find out what kind of disabled people do they publicize? And you go down the list and you say, these people are very high in social status. They have a big social media presence and not just a presence. We're talking about numbers. Your social scoring is a huge deal when you're getting publicity. And you know that too, because your social scoring is a little higher than mine. And I'm sure a lot of people don't give a shit about you because all they don't, all they're going to see is they're going to look at your numbers. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care what you say. They don't care how entertaining your stuff is. They don't even care how cute you are because oh. you're fucking adorable. Oh, thank you. <laughs> your numbers and they're going to put a value on that and they're going to decide whether you are worth their time mm. or not yeah exactly right so this is though i found you through an ad campaign on youtube and this is your uh uh running for president um campaign and it, the basis of it was that you were going to run for president and let the people themselves that follow you dictate the things that you're going to believe and things that you're going to go run with as your campaign. How did that begin and how is that going? Well, it actually started over a year ago, Kurt. Yeah. And um, I, I did some graphics and I put it online and I didn't really have any response. And then um, it really just became apparent towards the beginning of this year that I've got to put thousands of dollars into this. So I hired a 
videographer that had an awesome resume. And of course, he was, you know, really, really flaky based on uh, the amount of respect I deserved mm. from the perspective of the entertainment industry, which was just another one of my social experiments. It's really interesting. You get a professional treating um, a powerful person one way and then somebody who uh, basically like when I hang out with homeless people, I feel like I'm included. Mm. And so I feel like my social status is somewhere between a homeless person and the working poor. And that's my scoring based on traveling in several states here, um, just a little bit east of the Rockies and the entire West Coast and areas like that. So the thing is, is I was going to have what I call a crowdsourced ideology, which was um, sort of obviously it's a pun on politicians who are for sale. Mm. Um, tell me what to believe and I'll do that just to get your vote. Exactly. And then once I get into power, I'm going to lose that power. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is that to get people to cooperate, even to get people to tell me what to think and what to believe, which is what everybody wants to do. Mm. It was another social experiment because it's really interesting that everybody wants to tell me what to believe. And, and, and I'm talking even younger people too, which is yeah. really interesting. When they find out I'm on disability, for some reason, I need to be educated. Yeah. <laughs> which is kind of funny because um, over 15 years ago, I was an instructor. I was a recognized instructor. I would go into like a, a sheet music store and they would say, oh, we know you. We know your students. They love you and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. So I know what it's like to have recognition and to lose that and to know how that affects my mental health. Hmm. So the crowdsourced ideology is basically like, okay, well, since everybody wants to tell me what to think and what to believe and all this kind of stuff, maybe I'll tell them to do it and tell them how to do it. But still, <laughs> it was still putting um, them in a place where they didn't feel like they were completely in control. No, that's right. Because it like the way that you're phrasing it now, like I saw it and I thought, this is fantastic. Like he's just being upfront about being a corporate sellout in the most um, hilarious sort of way, which is usually the opposite for politicians. They go, no, we're, we're, you know, we're for the people, we're for everyone. You're like, no, you're almost for the individual that wants to sponsor you and put you into power and believe the individual's ideology. And I thought that was hilarious. That's almost never been done before. Um, so... Uh, something about Frank Zappa and fake Zappa yeah. is that um, well, for uh, um, something about um, studying people's behaviors and how fascinating it is. Yeah. Everybody kind of comes up with their idea of who fake Zappa is, yeah. and you've seen enough of my material to get an idea that I'm not a fucking tribute. No. <laughs> I'm not a tribute to his music. Let me just put it that way. But... Um, I'm a tribute to his life, his mission, his, and his philosophy. Hmm. And one of his things is that he called himself an amateur sociologist. Not a lot of people know that. He was fascinated with studying human behavior. Um, here's something interesting, too, is that he identified as a conservative, and most of the people he thought were conservatives. Yes. However, he did fight a lot of progressives in entertainment. And 
Um, unfortunately, he didn't win a lot of those battles, but he did win a lot of battles fighting censorship. And he yes. was successful. At that. He did. He did. Um, the, those. Those. He would be schmoozing at an event with a bunch of congressmen or whatever they are, and he would ask them, how did you vote on this censorship thing? And they would tell him, and he would say, did you know what's really behind that? And, and well, not really. And they would change their votes. Mm -hmm. That's the influence that he had because uh, he had the name Zappa. Now, one thing I don't agree with him about was the, his last interview that he gave was just months before he died of cancer, he suffered horribly mm. and he was involved with classical music, which was his dream. That was his gift as a teenager. The yellow shark, 14 years old. The whole yellow shark album is, is absolutely phenomenal when it, when it comes down to classical music. I've heard of the yellow shark, but I've never heard of the yellow shark. <laughs> oh, that was mean. I'm racist. Okay. <laughs> No, that's all right. We're Aust we're Australian. We're used to that sort of stuff. It's fun. Anyways, <laughs> they they asked Mr. Zappa if he wanted to be remembered, and he said that he didn't want to be remembered. And I thought, well, that's a nice thing to say. But then again, he had been a household name mm. for over twenty years at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's why I thought, well, you know. Um, that was an admirable thing to say, though. But that would have been nicer to say in 1965. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. When he, he was on... Have, what was he on? Ed Sullivan? He was playing the... He, he said it before. The bicycle! That's right. 19, was it 60-something? He was playing the bicycle on Ed Sullivan show? If he said it on the Ed Sullivan show, that would have been a lot funnier. I don't think he was ever on Ed Sullivan. He was on... Um, that show where you're supposed to guess who somebody is. And, uh, yeah, he played the bicycle in the early 60s. Mm. And he started out trying to be a classical composer. But, of course, you know, uh, he would have never survived music school. And they didn't like him anyways because no. he wasn't a fucking snob. No, he wasn't. Here's the thing is that when he's 15 years old, he's trying to call Anton Weber. He actually gets through to Anton Weber's house. You've probably heard this story, right? Yeah. I thought, what would have happened if that composer said, holy shit, there's a 15-year-old kid who has no formal training that's composing classical music, and he lives out in the middle of the desert, and he found my music... I think I should tell somebody, but no, Anton Weber did not tell anybody, just like the people who know me. I am very well connected, but they keep me a secret. And the reason why they keep me a secret has to do with the people they promote, their social scoring, and their functionality. Now, there are a lot of, dis there are a lot of disabled people who are very famous and popular and powerful, but most of the time they got that way before they were symptomatic. And I think a great example is Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Yeah. He suffered with schizoaffective disorder, but he wasn't public about mental illness when he started as a kid. Mm. I was going to say, the what's it, the, um, the Pet Sounds came out in uh, about three other albums before that, a couple albums after that, before any of his mental illness sort of playing a factor in the media. Was, yeah, yeah, he was pretty clouded. 
until um, about, yeah, I think it was just a little bit after Pet Sounds, because that's when he stopped touring with mm. them. And I think they were wondering, where's Brian? Mm. It potentially wasn't understood as much as it is today, mental health, at the level that we have today. And I, I know that you have some experience with that, um, with mental health issues, obviously, and understanding <laughs> of mental health. Um, but one of the things that I saw, uh, that you apparently went to one of those Christian um, straight camps, I'll, I'll yes. call it that, um, which, which was even more fascinating to me. Nobody calls it a straight camp, but <laughs> are you quoting me when it comes to that? Yeah, I am. I, I think yeah, I think you said it on that news news program. So, what was why? How did you end up end up at one of those Christian camps? Well, I told you um, how hostile educated progressives were to me as a kid, mm. and of course, you know, I didn't have the cognitive abilities to even take a pre-college test. I couldn't even get halfway through that test. Mm. So there was a ton of denial in my family about my ability to go to college, although the funding and the support was there. Mm. So, uh, that just led to a whole thing about missed opportunities, um, about working in professional theater and then that going nowhere and then losing my mind and disappearing, I was forgotten about. Mm. And being ignored and being forgotten about when you have something to contribute, especially when you're like a child prodigy and you're suffering undiagnosed, untreated. Both of my parents met because they were studying psychology. Mm. And so the irony of that is, you know, they've got these perfect kids they're raising trying to make them little grown-ups like a lot of educated people do. And, of course, I failed at that miserably. And at the same time, I had to work on my own to orchestrate uh, performance art events. I was doing everything from avant-garde classical to industrial noise to free jazz um, in my late teens. Most of those recordings got lost. I've now recovered five of those recordings in the last several months, which is awesome. And they're uh, they're available on my blog at fakezappa.com. Some of them I'm uploading. But uh, to make a long story short, though, um, I escaped to the state of Alaska. And I actually found a bunch of Bible-believing, born-again Christians who actually gave me more empowerment than anybody else in my life. They listened to my story. They're the only people that thought it was fucked up, although, of course, they didn't use that term, um, that um, somebody was raised by a psycho, uh, a, well, not only a psychotherapist, a hypnotherapist. Wow. And what that does to a young person who's um, unable to um, basically stand up for himself in that community. Now, my sister... She uh, became successful because she became the influencing force in the family, and she fought and fought, and she's been very successful. And I think she had to do that in that type of environment. So uh, the fundamentalists, I call the fundies, which I have a lot of admiration for the fundies, with the exception of how they treat gays, and especially the fact that you know uh, this was uh, at the height of the AIDS crisis, I grew up very close to the gay community, and of course, I was just, there was no way I wanted to be a part of that, because it was so clicky, like it has been since the 1980s. Uh, before that, it was a strong family because they were so persecuted. And now, the gay community, we do more to persecute others, I think, mm -hmm. 
then we are persecuted. That's my experience. Right. That's, uh, and so uh, what happened, <laughs> I admit it, <laughs> we are fucking gay bullies. The LGBTQ community is run mostly by boys. Most of them are hypergender nonconforming, so they, they talk about diversity, but they're really not. And um, they're very exclusive to who they will listen to, who they will support. And I just had an experience just a couple weeks ago where I was so bullied by a leader in the gay community that it threw me into a major depression and a drunken state. I don't have drunken states. This is as drunk as I ever got. And here I was at Yellowstone National Park two weeks ago today. And I put myself at risk. I put myself at danger. And it was... Um, uh, related to folks, how they were treating me at a, an organization called Pride Media, which I'm contending with right now. So I think it's funny that I identify as a liberal. And right now I'm fighting liberals because of how they're treating me, how they're excluding me, how they're giving me the runaround. And then that those that do actually tell me the truth are so hostile to me. It, it puts me in a state of trauma. It triggers me. Mm. And so I'm hoping for some acknowledgement. I just got an email forwarded to one of the main editors there uh, because I think you found out that um, uh, a big newspaper called The Advocate mm -hmm. that's been around over 50 years, um, ironic that they're called The Advocate <laughs> <laughs> when they seem to exclude people so much, that uh, one of their writers actually approached me. And this has been going on for almost two years. Yeah. So I find it funny that Frank Zappa identified as a conservative. He fought conservatives over a, a, an issue that was prevalent in the 80s, which was censorship of rock music. Not country, not comedy, just rock music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how stupid that was. And how we still have, you know, explicit stuff, warnings on, on music. But the fact is, is it didn't go any further than that, right? Nothing. They stopped. They left the music industry alone, which is awesome. So here's something else, too, is that Frank Zappa identified as a conservative. He fought conservatives. Here it is. I fought conservatives. I traveled around to different states and spoke against conversion therapy, told my story. And then I found out that I was more and more excluded from the gay community. And that's why I identify as closeted. So shh, don't tell anybody I'm a <laughs> cocksucker, okay? I'm, I'm closeted. And it's my protest. And no one's asked me why I'm closeted. Especially when I say publicly closeted. It's just one of those things that's so funny but so offensive that that just goes over their heads. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. Do I dare ask why you? Oh, I know all this sort of backstory is exactly why you're uh, secretly closeted. Well, actually, to answer your question before was why did I go to strike camp? Yes. Uh, when you're in that world, when you're in that ideology, when that whole thing saves you, gives you a reason to live, there's no other reason to live, right? Especially if you're suffering uh, uh, disorders and you're trying to live. That 
Bible-based ideology was my world. It was my reality. There's no way to get out of it unless there is some type of big intervention that, that goes on. And that, that didn't happen because um, the, the, the choice of being a post-Christian was just a miserable one. And liberal Christianity, I think, is just um, nonsense. Uh, because they just water down the Bible. And if you're going to water down the Bible, why even follow that piece of shit? <laughs> um, liberal Christianity, like the Unitarian Church, is what I grew up in. And um, uh, uh, the Metropolitan Community Church, which is also known as the Gay Church, the United Church of Christ, which is sort of where somewhere in you know in the middle of all that and stuff like that, they're great when it comes to social justice. Um, that's the first time I heard Black Lives Matter was at the Unitarian Church, the whitest church in town. <laughs> Amazing. So why did I go to straight camp? Yes, I didn't have any realistic choices to make at that time. There were no options based on the way my brain had been wired for 12 years. Oh, I think I lost you for a second there. No, I just, oh, no, no, you didn't lose me. Something <laughs> happened, church. I stopped talking. <laughs> no, that's okay. So, it's just so amazing. I saw the video of you on the news show and you're just talking about your experience, a little bit of this and that, but, it just seemed like your life throughout the whole thing, like with the music, with the, um, obviously now the presidential campaign, this just thrown into the mix and now you're traveling around. It just, your life just, for me, was just fascinating. Uh, obviously the fake Zappa name sort of caught my eye being a big Frank Zappa fan, but then seeing like what you've done in your life and talking about publicly and openly about all of these things, um, just fascinated the hell out of me. Uh, but you said cool. back in your, in your, in your whole talk, say that you were a music teacher. How did you get into music? Well, if you like me so much, how, did, how come it took four months to do this? <laughs> <laughs> that's, April, that, that, that's my laziness there. That's, that's coming out on my end. <laughs> Three months. It was what? Uh, middle of April. I Something think. like that. So, yeah. No, no, it's all good, but. Finally, finally, I can blame the coronavirus for, you know, use the coronavirus as an excuse. Let's oh, go with yeah. that. <laughs> I performed a song on the street last week called The COVID Excuse. Yep. <laughs> and I'm going to try to put that up on the web. That'd be I've awesome. done a um, Lately, my activism has turned into something very peaceful to something very confrontational. Yeah. And so it's really wearing in my mental health. But here's yeah. the thing that I wish people would ask me is fake Zappa. What does it do to your mental health when you stop? Yeah. Huh. How do you take oh, a day? How do you take a day off from all this excitement? Well, actually, I do a self care day every week. I call it my sleepy day. Yeah. It's a secular Sabbath. In fact, <laughs> I'm going to take one tomorrow. Hopefully, I can. And I'm I'm really big on self care and movement meditation and stuff like that and self harm which which reminds me, um, uh, this is a drinking show, isn't it? Well, I'm I'm on the waters. <laughs> it's a bit early in the morning here yeah, in yeah, Australia. Well, the, the podcast you do over in Australia probably, but anyways, I thought this is this is my second drink of the day Fantastic. and my quota. This is this is my. 
um, the most that I usually allow myself to drink. And today's drink is the Bacardi brand Oak Heart Genuine Spiced Rum and Diet Coke and whatever's left over in my glass from Pizza Ranch, which is a little bit of iced tea and some Coke Zero. And this is my cocktail. It's actually, there's a name for it. It's called a Skinny Captain because it's Captain Morgan and Diet Coke. Mm. <laughs> and it's Classic. a tall one. Yes, a skinny captain. Of course, you're going to have to educate your bartenders about what a skinny captain is. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, anyways. Okay. So how did you get into music? Because I've been looking at all your YouTube stuff and listening to all this. I saw the C-flat project, which sounds really fun. But you play, it seems like, every single instrument under the sun. I'm terrible at um, double reeds, um, and I've never played French horn, and um, like you probably know what Ulian pipes and some other stuff like that is. Uh, the oud is a Middle East is a fretless Middle Eastern. Uh, so um, right now I'm listing off the instruments I don't play. Can we just pause for one second? I just hear something yelling in the background. I'm just going to check out what that is. One second, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to play some banjo in the meantime. Puppy barking at a lovely mailman delivering me some stuff. <laughs> Here's something I wanted to share with you. Please. Okay, before I get into what I really want to talk about. Mm -hmm. This is called a Tinder Lament. This is an exclusive yes. Tinder Lament. In fact, I was even on Tinder today. Okay. <laughs> Why did I swipe right? 
Why was my snatch not too tight? Was it worth a night of fun? And now I have a little one. I regret taking that Advil, which I thought was the pill. I regret those dumb smartphones, and that's why I named him Tender Regret Jones. Alrighty. Beautiful. <laughs> so, I, I can't believe, like I said, I can't believe how many instruments you actually play. I'm actually very jealous because I am just a guitar player and maybe you can call me a bass player. But other than that, it's sort of like woodwinds, brass, uh, just sort of elude me in a way that I just can never be able to get into, I think. Church, church. I can call anybody a bass player. <laughs> now, <laughs> as long as you give them a bass. True. And, and turn it up loud. Yes, yes. anybody is a bass player. You can quote me on that. Ah. <laughs> uh. I'm sure some of my friends who are very good bass players will disagree with you on that one, but that's okay. They're just bass players at the end of the day. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a chopping stick? Say that again, sorry? It's called a Chapman stick. Yes, yes, the big long sticks. Uh, are the, are the big, um, and you tap all the notes instead of, uh, yeah. instead of pluck them. Yeah. So... Uh, I found a guy that's that's selling one in Iowa, which is kind of on my way. So I want to go down to Iowa, hopefully, if it's not too hot, and see if I can get me a $3,000 stick. Amazing. <laughs> Finally, you can start that King Crimson cover band that you've always wanted to start. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know what kind of cover bands I was in? Please, tell me. Okay, for one thing, I started a cover band... Um, in 2010, and uh, one of the guys in the band wanted to name it, get this, Pink Sausage. <laughs> and so now it's just basically for, like, Pink Floyd-related stupid comedy stuff. Awesome. Uh, anyways, you can go to Pink Sausage on Facebook. Yeah. Not only that, but from the makers of God Friended Me comes a new show called God Butt Dialed Me. <laughs> God is calling, but you're the wrong guy. <laughs> and so, have you been practicing social distancing? We certainly have around here. In fact, I, I, try, I don't even leave the house half the time because I work from home. <laughs> well, here's the thing is that I usually don't get around people anyways. Mm. I use... I, um, get this, like earlier this year before this thing broke out, I bought 60 ounces of hand sanitizer just because that's what I usually go through. Mm. And I'm, I've, I still have tons of handy wipes from the last year or so when I hoard them just because, you know, that's me. And not only that, though, I'm just generally paranoid of everything. So... The, the pandemic hasn't affected me very much, except mm. now people are using this excuse to cancel gigs and projects and appointments and stuff. Uh, but they would anyways. They just, you know, they find excuses for that. So anyways, that's the fun part. Awesome. Alrighty. So um, I want to give a shout out to a Mr. Dave Larder. 
Dave is in his 70s, and he is my biggest supporter. He's shared my stuff on social media and in an organization he runs called the Lincolnshire Arts and Music Bulletin, also known as LAMB, L-A-A-M-B. And um, he's given me as much as ex of exposure as he possibly can. He knows a couple of famous people, but they don't give a shit, you know, because this, this is a localized thing. But um, he discovered me just before I did the fake Zappa thing in early 2017. And uh, he played some music that I did for Robert Wyatt. In fact, I did some live music. You probably know who Robert Wyatt is, huh? Uh, the name rings a bell, but I can't... Uh, for our listening audiences, uh, who is Robert Wyatt? Okay. Oh, uh, the Soft Machine. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyways, Robert Wyatt has heard my music, and I just found out that he's in the hospital. For six weeks, he had surgery. That's not good. Yeah. So... Anyways, so uh, did you have any more questions before I get to my real subject here? Yeah, no, let's go into your real subject here because you put to me when we were just talking a fascinating idea. Oh, about my presidential campaign? About your presidential campaign. Oh, before we get into that, though, I do have to ask you, though, my five questions. Oh, Are you please. ready for my five questions? Okay. Absolutely, go for it. Fake Zappa for president is where should I run for president? It could be any region or planet or whatever. And then the other one is uh, who's my running mate? Uh, what should I believe? How much fake money are you going to pledge? And uh, and what party might I join if I'm going to join a party? Are you ready? Absolutely. It can be anything. <laughs> it can be serious or not serious. Just whatever you want to say. Well, it'd be fun for. Uh... You know, I think in the USA you had those autonomous zones for a little bit, those mystical autonomous zones that had no political power. I think that that's where you should, you know, if you could get your hands on a little bit of a, uh, American real estate and call it your own as president, I think that would be lots of fun. Um, so so um, Australians think that Americans have autonomous zones. That is nice. Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> I think... I think they're called native reservations, right? <laughs> well, you had that one. Where was it? In uh, San, is it San Francisco? Was that the one? Oh, Seattle. Seattle. My oh, mistake. Oh, so funny to be president of that fucking Capitol Hill. <laughs> like, I mean, that is the capital of snobbery. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so just just to flip there, flip them all the way around that way. Like, yeah, we're totally autonomous, but we have a president that we've. <laughs> That we've got yeah. involved here. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. So yes, actually, that, to, to run for president for the, what's it called now? Chip or blurp yeah. or blimp or clip <laughs> or clap. I, they, they've changed it a couple times now. Mm. Too. I think it's called flap. Yeah. Okay, so Capitol Hill in Seattle. Okay, and then uh, who should be my running mate? Running mate's a difficult one because you need someone that... Uh, like Trump's, I think Trump's done it in a funny way where he's gotten someone in second in command that is actually worse than him in some ways. <laughs> actually, that's going to be... Okay, can you find somebody worse than me? <laughs> oh, I'll just put myself in there. That's okay. I'm just... I'm... I don't know. I think... <laughs> You're pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> 
But, you know, I would love to at least be in your cabinet as, like, a finance... So, I, I, I've got an accounting background. So, I, I would definitely help with the finances and make sure everything is smooth sailing. Um, uh, I definitely need that. In fact, I need some weed right now, if you don't mind. <laughs> but but Kanye West, I know, is running for president over there as well. So, maybe you two can team up. In the, in the left and, you know, completely opposites, but together as one ebony and ivory type of thing and uh, and, ma- and make some magic happen over there. I think that would be a good running mate with you. Well, if someone's going to run with fake zap, he's got to be really fake. <laughs> well, you can ask half the music industry if that, that's the case then. <laughs> How about Jeopardy Games Holzhauer? The name does not ring a bell. He was the guy that won second place in the greatest of all time in Jeopardy. <laughs> well, he know a fair bit, so maybe he would be a good candidate. Does know everything, but you know enough to come in second place. <laughs> Actually, it'd be great to have a literal know-it-all in the vice president. <laughs> just a, just you just instead of one uh, uh, running mate, just have fifty running mates, like you know at bridal parties, and the girls have fifty girls. Oh there just have multiple people and that way you know it doesn't really matter one I think in each that's state a, one yeah. in each state why not that's a good idea okay so um um how much how much um money are you going to pledge and what kind of currency or what kind of things are you going to pledge well my family is to buy my to buy my brain to buy my opinion well my uh my my parents Grew up in Italy and migrated here uh, back in back when Italy was very poor, and they still are very poor. But that's a different story altogether. But back then they had a currency before they moved over to the euro called the lira, which does no longer exist. But basically, the conversion rate was ten thousand lira was about ten cents or a dollar or something stupid like that. So I'm willing to give one hundred and fifty billion lira. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is enough to buy lunch. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You know, the toilet paper is more expensive at this point in time. But the lira is absolutely all yours. You can have all the lira in Italy. I could buy this rip-off gluten-free pizza that I bought today. <laughs> Mine true. <laughs> and and the bonus point is, you recognize the president on the poster here behind me. Uh, I don't know. It's a little hard to see. A little hard to see. Uh, is that? It's not Roosevelt. Is it Roosevelt? Is that the one? No. no I'll let you look a little closer yeah, here. Yeah. Come closer. I am your greatest president. I. I he is. It. He's the greatest president. He, uh, it is a picture of the greatest president, and my my definition of great. Is great in girth, great in embarrassment, great in mass. Who is the biggest president of the United States? Oh, my presidential my, my uh, presidential knowledge is not very good. <laughs> president William Taft. Okay, and what did he do yeah. apart from his girth? <laughs> he did a lot of bullshit. <laughs> Isn't that but why you get a president? No, no, no. This is this is the equivalent of my pinup girl. 
I mean, he's got a mustache that makes him look like a walrus. I mean, he is the walrus, you know? <laughs> Bold choice for Pinup Girl. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so, um, uh, should I be a part of a political party or something? No, I think independence, uh, running independently, I think that's the way forward because i think in america even in australia we need more independent parties that have that are focusing on certain issues uh i think it's far more important especially in the usa you guys have basically got a two-party system and that's it a third party like the libertarian party or whatever other parties you've got over there don't really get the voice that they they could potentially could have on a, on a grand stage australia is a little bit better with that like we have lots of little parties that sort of add up to the bigger parties but having a, an independent up on stage would be very exciting for America, I think. Yeah, that's so funny. Okay, and then um, uh, what's my basic? Uh, I mean, what kind of things should I say and believe, and you know, tell people and stuff? You know, should I tell them to clip their nails? Or? Well, I know that what's his name, um, uh. Vermin Supreme is going for a pony-based economy, and uh, that's that's very interesting. I don't know how that exactly is going to work and affect the economy in the long run, but I think the mod- the uh, the pony models do need to be uh, analysed just that little bit more. It's, you know, ponies grow up. That's got to include all that sort of stuff. But I think more than anything else, it should just be a bit more of a you know. Uh, obviously cut taxes that's always a big one with me being an accountant the less work i have to do uh the better it is for everybody else (laughs) well how about this in honor of you guys i would like to publicly mandate every state to have kangaroo courts (laughs) perfect i'm happy with that absolutely and they all are run by gay bullies. <laughs> well, you know, it can't be any worse than what we have now. Oh, well, I'm openly fake. Mm. The thing about fake Zappa, it's more about being fake than being Zappa. I talk a lot more about fake than I do Zappa. Yeah. Zappa's dead. Fake is alive and well. <laughs> and... Penetrating the entire earth as we know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite store is the Dollar Tree. And I love fake things. <laughs> I love going to those dollar shops. And they always have those really like specific little figurines of silly things. Like, you know, uh, uh-huh. a meerkat in a, in, a, in a top hat with a monocle standing on grass and you, you can always go into those shops and go, Hey, do you have a figurine of a, of a meerkat with a top hat and a monocle? And they go, yes, it's here. And then you go, no, that's not exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> Damn you church right now. You just convinced me that I have to go to Australia because you got better dollar stores than we do. <laughs> I'll, next time, next time I'm at one of those dollar stores that I can actually leave the house uh, I'll take a photo of something like that for you and send it to you. It's it's quite quite a sight. Well, that's where I get a lot of my uh, presidential merchandise. Is here is a tote, and it's so large you can fit anything in it. Like you can even fit more merchandise in it. <laughs> uh, this is this is a presidential planter, and then I've got uh, uh, presidential traffic cones. 
And then this is a new program I'm starting here, which is because uh, I want to restore things in America that we've lost. Mm. Uh, most people don't know this, but we had something we've had um, at least a couple hundred uh, different political parties that were registered and they were either defunct. And some of them were really short lived in the 1700s. One of my favorite one is called the Anti-Nebraska Party. And I went through Nebraska, and I don't think they deserve that. But it is. It's called the Anti-Nebraska Party, and I think I would like to run and and sort of revive that. And, of course, uh, there's one thing I'm reviving we won't tell yet because it's going to be a surprise for the end. There's one thing I want to revive that's going to really piss everybody off. But here's something I really want to revive is that, and I don't, um, not a lot of people know this, is that when President William Taft uh, came into office, the most popular plush toy at that time was the teddy bear. Mm. And the teddy bear was named after you-know-who. Roosevelt. Yes, yes. So they had... um, And actually, there's a story behind um, Teddy and the bear is, you know, where they got that. So anyways, there's a story with President Taft and he had a um, an Appalachian delicacy in West Virginia when, um, and it was called possum and taters. Right. So yeah, yeah. so I see you have a so, little little possum in your hand at the yeah, moment. So President Taft ate a possum, and toy companies decided that they were going to capitalize on that, and they actually marketed the Billy Possum. This is a part of American history that has been suppressed, young man. <laughs> this is the truth. The Billy Possum. I mean, you can't even hardly find them on eBay, and nobody wants them. So I thought I'd buy some possums, and I will I will sell them with a certificate of authenticity. And not only that, and this is something you won't see very often, is that I'm going to sell the, the Billy Possum with a certificate of, of authenticity that... That authenticates <laughs> the certificate itself. So, <laughs> you doubt that my certificate makes the Billy Possum authentic? I have another certificate telling you that this certificate is authentic. It's double. You gotta have both. You gotta have both. Yes, yes, yes. You can't beat that. So, uh, did we go through? Uh, uh, did we go through all five questions? I think I we know. did. We ended up with the ca- what campaign things I would like. I think that was the final one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you a quick little thing about Australian history that you may oh. or may not know about. Did you know that the Australian government once lost a war to uh, emus in the in the outback? So in the 1930s, 1940s, we had an overabundance of emus that were killing a whole, like, cutting down crops and destroying stuff. The Australian government sent out a bunch of guys to go kill all the emus with with guns, like the army. They sent the army out. Anyway, they lost more men than they killed emus. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The emu war. I have not heard that before. I've heard of the chocolate. That's a that's a classic bit of Australian history that gets suppressed down here as well. But we we uh, talked about it on our podcast a very long time ago. <laughs> I love it. Oh, so, uh, speaking of Australia, one more thing about Dave Larder is I found out today 
where he lived. And I wanted to see if you know much about this. This is on his Facebook. Hmm. Um, that he was in a place in Queensland called C-A-I-R-N-S. Cairns. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know how to pronounce. Here's another one I didn't know how to pronounce. Tunumbra? Uh, Tunumbra. Uh, let me have a look. Let me see how it's spelled here. It's in it, it's in South Australia, and so it is T A N U N D A. It sounds more like an African city or something. Cairns Tunanda. Tananda. Uh, I would go with Tananda. That sounds about right. Yeah, Tananda, South Australia. He lived... Uh, yeah, so anyways, and he went to the University of South Australia. And so it's interesting how you have a guy born in the early 50s that moved to Australia as a young man, went to school, stayed there 30 years, and went back to the motherland. Does, uh, does that hop... Happens more often than and, you think. A lot of Australians travel to London and end up living there that have been uh, grown up in Australia because it's sort of like oh, very similar to Australia but different in a way. Uh, different enough, but they all speak English. It makes it easier for us to assimilate. That's English? Yeah. Well, you know, we take a lot of those uh, words from the Aboriginals that were down here. We try to name certain things after them. <laughs> so... Um, so I was bugging Dave about going to England the last couple of years and haven't been able to. And now, um, even last year, it was still a little too crazy. And just, there's just so many things going on. It sounds like uh, they've got a lot of Trumps in the United Kingdom that are wanting to pull us back into a World War II ideology based on, um, the uh, kinds of things that certain privileged people had in those days that worked for certain people, and they just want that again. And I think that's very similar to what's going on with the Trumpies mm. these days. So anyways, um, Dave said, well, why don't you go to Australia? <laughs> well, I'm thinking of doing Australia or New, or, or New Zealand, just as long as they can uh, allow me to bring my cat. Uh, I think that's uh, always a tricky one because you guys are going to quarantine. We quarantine animals here for far too long. Oh, yeah, I bet. I think it's like two, like, yeah. a, like a month almost and this and that. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm actually, hey, um, I'm, I'm filming this. Now, I know you just published the audio, but do you publish videos of this too? No, we don't. We just do the audio. Okay, well, that's okay. I'm going to publish the video too, and then please do to that, and they can see your pretty face. <laughs> so right now, um, my camera here doesn't like anything over ninety degrees, <laughs> and uh, my trailer right now. So I put a new battery in, but I don't think that was the problem. I think the problem is it's overheating. So let me see if this works here. Uh, but right now. Here is the temperature. The temperature is not too bad. It's about 87 yeah. right now. That's Fahrenheit. 
that's what's that i'm trying to do the conversion in my head but i'm not i'm not that quick with the conversion 87 fahrenheit to celsius what's that there like 30 something 30 on the dot there you go yeah this one doesn't even do celsius (laughs) this is this is the ugly american device oh there you go part of your campaign add that to the list convert americans to metric (laughs) yes so um Okay, so I won't show you any more of my merchandise. But anyways, if you go to fakezappa.com slash blog, I have a thing about my campaign merch where I have fake merchandise. And I'm actually working on some cheaper things. I've got little musical instruments that I've got uh, fake Zappa for president. So here's the thing is that you have to find me, and it's hard to find me. In fact, I'm going out to a national park hopefully next week. Going to stay out in the middle of the prairie for a while. And um, people have to do a presidential endorsement if you're going to get a hat or something expensive like that. But, but yeah, that's a nice thing that I can stay hidden because I'm putting myself at risk more and more legally when I do these activism things. Because uh, when I keep getting ignored, when I keep getting treated unfairly, um, when I'm unable to work and contribute and um, share my story and do my activism and do my music and my art, that it undermines my will to live, it undermines my mental health, and it's basically killing me. Mm. And uh, so that's the not-so-funny part. And unfortunately, um, I have to step it up each time this happens um, to express to the world about how this makes me feel and um, how it relates to a lot of others in my um, situation. Mm. And um, the stigma that I go through a lot of times is... You're the crazy old man that has no friends, no family, that lives alone with a dog. In my case, a cat. That's even worse. (laughs) And um, nobody listens to you. Why should I listen to you? Kind of a thing. Yeah. And so that's part of the stigma I'm going through. And, of course, the, uh, the mental illness thing. And there's a lot of other stuff as well. But I do find it interesting, though, how I'm met with denial um, from folks that uh, just don't seem to represent denying um, things like this. And so it's interesting what people filter out. I have conversations all the time. And I'm writing an article called Fake Zappa Versus the World because really everywhere I'm going, I am met with denial where people block out really essential, important things about a conversation and, and focus on things that they just want to avoid the main subject. And I think they're not even conscious of it, mm. too. I think what happens is that folks are not only so addicted to gaining influence over people, power over people, is that they also enable those who are addicted to power and who are actually dependent on having a place of influence and power over people, which I think that's one of the reasons why everybody wants to educate me. Here's the main thing that people want to educate me about. Are you ready for this? Yes. How many children did Frank Zappa actually have? He had four. Holy shit, he had four? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what's weird. is You're like probably the first guy that I've talked to who actually knew he had four kids. Yeah. Most guys. He had Dweezil. He had Dweezil, mm-hmm. who I named my dog after. He had Ahmet, his other son. He had Diva, and the other one um, was Moon Unit. What guy's Moon Unit? Yes. 
so, so here's the weird thing is that most people are familiar with Frank Zappa um, while he had two kids. Yeah. And that they haven't really heard anything else he did uh, besides that. Now, mind you, a lot of the guys I talk to are snowbirds and, you know, RV people. So they're older and they know everything. <laughs> and so anyways, I met a guy two days ago who thought that Frank Zappa had three children. Close, but no cigar. So, <laughs> yay, Ronald. Yes. Oh my god. So anyways, are you interested in what I really want to talk about? Absolutely. Well, I I won't get into real detail. Uh, but I want to talk about dicks. Okay. And and all kinds of dicks and how much I appreciate them. Hey, I went to an all boys school, mate. This this is perfect. Oh, so you saw all kinds of dicks. Um, <laughs> not everybody was being circumcised. So you had circumcised, uncircumcised. Mm. Uh, you had the turtle cocks, which kind of go inverted if you're fat. And then you have the ones that are sort of like the, the uh, there's guys that say they're growers and they're not showers. <laughs> so so they aren't even really that chubby. Uh, they just have to trim around the bush and they have to fluff it to make it look like it's actually standing out yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, then you have these old guys and they've got these danglers and I don't, that's weird. I mean, um, they're about as hard, long as they are soft. <laughs> you've got big ones. Um, uh, you've got ones of different colors and different sizes. And I think they're all great. The, uh, there's something called a micro penis, and um, I think it's something that a guy should tell you ahead of time. <laughs> if he has a micro penis, yeah. Um, and then um, um, I do find it interesting, though, when I see the social status, and this is not just at like uh, like gay nudist groups, but uh, where there's a bunch of straight people too. Is the is the social status and the type of penis that they have is so synonymous you would not believe it. <laughs> Actually, like if you're in the locker room with those guys in boarding school or wherever it was that you grew up, it was yeah. probably this. It was probably very similar too. There was probably a, um, a, a really heavy ranking system. When you get a bunch of like teenage boys together, their ranking system is obvious. Mm -hmm. And when you see them naked, their penis is obvious. So was it very synonymous? There was, de I would say, there was definitely a link. I was a short guy, but uh, I, you know, I had a pretty powerful social status. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're also half Italian too. That's it. <laughs> if I had an Italian guy who was seven inches long and six inches around. Jeez. And um, his, his whole life was like that. Mm. It was fascinating. He, he was entitled to do anything. And that's not even that big compared to a lot of men. Mm. But, you know, for somebody his age and stuff, you know, it, it was pretty impressive, um, especially what he did with it. And so, um, anyways... Uh, that's my thing about dicks. Speaking of dicks, I want to talk about the Ku Klux Klan. Yes. 
this is a plan that you sort of mentioned to me in passing. Well, I don't know if I've announced this publicly yet, uh, but I do want to tell you how I feel about the, the Ku Klux Klan. And uh, I haven't posted this yet, but if you go to my Instagram soon, you will see me at Mount Rushmore, which you all know what Mount Rushmore is, yeah, the yeah, four yeah. presidents staring out. And they, they, and it's weird. You go under and they really don't have nostrils. They forgot their fucking nostrils. <laughs> oh, my God. So, anyways, um, I found out that the artist that um, was in charge of, you know, heading up the carving and the designing and all that kind of stuff. He had um, not only ties with the KKK, you know, during all this stuff, but like when he was in Georgia and other places and other projects, he had some really um, tight bonds and connections with the KKK and even included them and tried to include them in some of his art projects. So I love it. An artist who endorses the Ku Klux Klan. So I thought, well, well you know, it's about time that I um, reveal one of my projects, which is something I'm calling the new and improved Ku Klux Klan. And instead of white power, it is completely founded and based on white guilt. It is a white guilt organization that instead of doing hate crimes, we do these lynch mob things where we go find a person of color and um, we really make a big deal about how exotic and how talented or how hung they are. And, oh, you're just so cool. We wish we were like you and we wish we would treat you better. Is there anything we could do? And, you know, we... I don't know if we would do a burning cross though, but we you know bring them a whole bunch of you know uh, fried chicken. <laughs> well, you could just light up a grill and have a barbecue with them. That could be so, the alternative. So it's 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 really interesting that that um, somebody who is kind of brownish colored they they call him black, mm. right? But um, I'm not a racist. It's just that if I do this, let's say, uh, right now, you can't see this for those listening in audio, but if I pull out a Confederate flag, which yeah. they like to call it the rebel flag, for some reason, I am now a racist just for having this. So isn't that weird that just for how I look, just having a certain flag um, turns me into somebody completely different? And not only that, though, the people that are name-calling, unfortunately, are, are the Not My President Club, or the BLM Club, are the affirming and tolerant people, and I'm just so tired of that. And so that's one of the reasons why I wear American flags. Yeah. All the time I've got American flag shorts and shirts and bandanas and all kinds of stuff that I put on. And I find it interesting when I'm wearing those... Um, I was telling you about how educated people like to educate me. Yeah. Oh, they really like to educate me when I'm wearing flags because I am like. I'll, I'm, I'll never understand that because the people wear it like, you know, especially during Australia Day here, which they're trying to change around and this and that. But, you know, we're pr proud of being Australian 
when we're, we're our sports teams are beating the shit out of other sports teams. You know, our cricket club, our our um, you know, our uh, swimmers are some of the best in the world, and everyone is a hundred percent behind the flag at that time. But as soon as it comes to celebrating national pride or people putting out the flag, that's when they sort of get a little bit more offended. Well, here's what's interesting in the United States over the last four years is that um, most of the time, except for I had this fuck buddy who was like a major American flag guy. He was a veteran. He was a patriotic veteran and a very much an anti-Trumpy. That's pretty rare, though. Most of the time, uh, when you see a bunch of American flags, you will see Trump supporters. Yep. Now, I've also noticed... Um, ever since the inauguration and stuff, especially in Portland, they created this affirming and tolerant American flag that says, in our America, we respect people with, you know, blah, 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 disabilities, which I thought was really funny because those flags would be on places and they had all this jargon, this, all this um, progressive, inclusive language. And those were places that treated me differently and wouldn't listen to me for the simple fact that I never finished a college degree except for, you know, uh, learning uh, the Bible and missionary stuff, <laughs> which kind of counts against me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyways, um, uh, did you want to try to wrap this up? I was going to um... say, this has been, a super fascinating interview. I'm going to keep following you around um, on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and all those sort of fun excitement places because your, your story is just fascinating. Your uh, What you've done is fascinating. I'm sure in the future when you do become president of uh, the Chop Chap Zone, whatever you wanted to call it over there with your 50 running mates and getting those kangaroo courts in place, I have a feeling it's going to make a positive impact on the world. But where can Frank, Frank Zappa, where can we people find you or fans find you? Well, um, I'm trying to get out to the Badlands National Park. And I've been trying to get out there for over a month. And I've just been sidetracked. And it's not an easy place to stay. Um, so I'm going to try to stay out there for a little bit. And I'm going to be out in the middle of the prairie. So if you happen to be in South Dakota or near there... Um, Look for my travel trailer with the picture of President Taft inside. So you'll have to go inside to find out if it's mine or not. Um, if you can't do that, the best way to find me is fakezappa.com. Actually, I have a Google info page. So if you just do a Google search for <laughs> fake Zappa, not fake Frank Zappa, just yeah. fake Zappa then it'll pull up some of my bullshit. I have four recordings available for sale now. One, of, A couple of them are with my band. I run a band called Dialectic Flowers. So there's dialecticflowers.com, and I won't spell that right now because <laughs> you have to find it at sundaydriverproductions.com is my um, loser business. <laughs> I won't call it that, but that's how it's viewed. No. Uh, because it'll make money. I, I invest money. I've been. I've, I've, next month will be four years that I have pursued this thing. Uh, it's do or die at this point. Because every time I gave up was because of lack of support. I'm alone in this, and I'm still alone in this. So it'd be great if somebody wants a job 
I will pay them to do public relations. I will pay them to, to basically make me look good or make me look at least somehow important enough that somebody will actually want to hear my story. Because here's the thing, is that my art is not for everybody. Hmm. In fact, a lot of my art projects are things that people go, that's not art. Um, a lot of it is is me writing stuff on the sidewalk with sidewalk chalk and screaming and yelling or whatever. And a lot of people don't even realize I do music, which is funny because a lot of people didn't know that Frank Zappa even did music. Crazy I didn't know thing. he did music until uh, I was probably 15 years old. I saw him on MTV when I was a kid. He mm. told everybody to register to vote. I thought he was just um, some old guy <laughs> with big hair. <laughs> I can relate. Hey, who's this old guy with big hair? And it's really funny because I go into venues and I like to pretend that I'm as important as I think I am. And there's always this, who does he think he is kind of a thing. The whole fake it till you make it type of thing. <laughs> well, it's really funny when I start playing music and then they really get mad. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff there for people to check out. I've I'm still checking out. There's so much content on your YouTube page as well, and I'm trying to get through. But that's a whole different story altogether. Yeah. But for... I've got five YouTube pages. <laughs> oh, I'll get through one at, to- one at a time. One at a time. Can I tell you? One of my Facebook pages I'm doing is called Hetero Cakes. It is wedding cakes for heterosexual couples. <laughs> I might, so need, like one, a, I might need one of those soon, because I'm getting married to my partner very soon, so we might need one of those. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, you're not one of those um, new age guys that calls your girlfriend a partner, do you? Well, she's my fiancé now, so let's go with that. Okay, fiancé. Well, congratulations. Thank you, That's thank awesome. you. Well, I, I hope you start breeding soon, because, you know, some of us don't have that privilege... <laughs> We'll put it, put it on the agenda. Wedding first. That's that's uh, that's the big one. That's next year. It's very exciting. First, then pop out some puppies. So, <laughs> anyways, here's the thing: is that people can uh, see my shitty art, which I have a lot of shitty stuff, or they can they can hear my good stuff and not get it or not understand and not like it. Yeah. But my story um, about how I've been treated by the religious right, which is obvious how they treat gays, mm-hmm. and how weird it is how there are so many synonymous things about how I'm treated by right-wing religion as being a sodomite homosexual is the same behaviors and the same traits, although mostly passive-aggressive, when it comes to the educational community, the gay community, the art community, the mental health community and just most progressives altogether have the same types of traits and the same types of behaviors. And that's really fascinating. And it's something you, you, uh, people don't want to know about. They don't want to talk about crazy to think. So that's the thing. So uh, one of the things I want to do is I'm, I'm working on Bible translations <laughs> and I want to publish Bibles. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and, uh, why not? One of them is called the the ginormous print Bible, and <laughs> I would like to publish a Bible that is so big you can see it from space. That's good. So one page is, and then the, and then the next page is 
big in ing turn the page god okay so that's that's pretty tricky uh, but i've actually been writing my own bible i have um uh, dictated a piece of work called the manifesto of the post-millennial cult and it is about 23 hours or more, which is about the length of the New Testament, if you were to read it out. And then another thing is called um, uh, the GTV um, Holy Bible, which is the Google Translate Bible, which is where I take the oldest available manuscripts online of the oldest Greek translation, the oldest Hebrew translation, and I let Google Translate do its magic. It is always magic when you try and do stuff like that with Google Translate. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Fake Zappa, thank you so much for your time today. The morning for us, afternoon, late afternoon, evening for you. Um, hope to see more exciting stuff on your end. Um, I'm just going to do the whole show wrap-up for all of our wankers out there. Our fans are called wankers. They chose that name themselves. Make sure you follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebook. And if you'd like to send us some hate mail, a death threat, or a rant, record it on your phone and email us at weonlydoonetakepodcast at gmail.com. Fake, thank you so much for being on the show today. And uh, how do I become a proud wanker? Uh, listen to our show. Have fun. If you want to send in clips, you can absolutely do that. But uh, have fun. Just have fun with the show. <laughs> Are you talking about in the context of wanking? You want me to send in clips? You know what? I've always... Yeah, we'll accept it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, anyways. Anyway, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much, Fake. And we will see all you lovely fans out there next Thursday. Bye-bye now. Once again, buddy, amazing to have the opportunity to have a chat with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my camera now just completely overheated. Uh, okay. Well, when I send this out, I think I'm going to put this out next Sunday, I think. But when I do, I'll, um, Sunday for us, Saturday for you. But when I do, I'll make sure that I send you the links and everything like that as well. Well, chances are, um, it might be listed in the Lincolnshire Arts and Music Bulletin. Ooh, very exciting. You've got to send us a clip of that. Australia himself, I'm going to ask him to post a, a thing about it because he posts some of my stuff sometimes. Oh, awesome. And so it should be fun. So, okay, well, hey, hope you're feeling better soon. Yeah, yeah. I hope oh. those uh, pain meds. Yeah, just a bit of a sleep. I'll do that today. Today's my rest day until back into the office on, on Monday and then... And then the week starts again. The week starts again. But thank you so much. Have a good evening and we'll be in contact soon, I'm sure. All right. Sounds good, bud. Bye-bye now. Cheers.